to Park Valley Church's Sermon of the Week. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christ follower for years or new to the Christian faith, you have come to the right place. Listen in as one of our campus pastors shares how to apply biblical truth in a tangible way. As you listen, we pray you have an encounter with Jesus that leads to real and lasting life change. So, you know, I've been checking my math and uh, I feel like something isn't working out right. Because there is no way that it is Thanksgiving this Thursday, right? I mean, November just started. How is that, how is that even possible? But I think every year it just seems like the time between Halloween and the end of the year, it just goes faster. You know, it's like one day you're a cowboy handing out candy at Trunk or Treat. Next day you're buying Valentine's Day gifts. You know, it's just, it's just like that. But, you know, no matter how bad my math may be, It is, in fact, Thanksgiving this coming Thursday. But what comes to your mind when you think about Thanksgiving? Is it the three Fs? Family, food, and football? I see a couple of heads nodding. Um, You know, is it the tryptophan-induced coma that comes after the meal? Is it the Black Friday shopping on the next day? You know, Thanksgiving is really all of those things, but it is also more than those things. It's not just a holiday that falls on the fourth Thursday in November. It's a day to reflect. It's a day to give thanks. Stay. Um, You know, because no matter how much or how little we have when it comes to material possessions, there's still much to be thankful for. You know, we can be thankful for our food. We can be thankful for our family, even when they drive you crazy. Um, And I think instead of being thankful for football, let's trade that for our faith. Let's be thankful for our faith. Because first and foremost, Thanksgiving is a day set aside to give thanks to God. I mean, that's always been its intent. In 1789, President George Washington issued a Thanksgiving proclamation. It read in part, It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and to humbly implore his protection and favor. Now, it would still be another 74 years before Thanksgiving became an official federal holiday, but when Lincoln issued his own Thanksgiving proclamation in 1863, he said, the day is to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. To give thanks and praise to our Father, to obey his will, to be grateful for his blessings, that's what Thanksgiving is and always has been about. You know, the world thinks it's about parades, crazy shopping deals, and a four-day weekend. They may also think that Thanksgiving started in 1621 when the pilgrims and and the Native Americans had a feast. But I think the first Thanksgiving was actually much, much earlier, like 2500 B.C. I think it was the, the first Thanksgiving happened during the time of Noah. You know, the account of Noah and the ark and the flood is a story that's been told in Sunday schools, you know, around the world for years. Even if you don't go to church or haven't been to church, you know the story of Noah and the ark. 
There are babies' rooms and nurseries that are all over the world that are decorated with wallpaper showing little cute little animals, a little boat maybe that has a giraffe's head sticking out of one of the windows. You know, there's, a, there's clouds and maybe a rainbow. Maybe you even see Noah and his wife, Joan of Arc. <laughs> but um bum Dad joke. We don't know what Noah's wife's name was, but Joan of Arc sounded funny. But let's be honest, though. When you really think about it, you know, the story of Noah and the flood is not really a kid-friendly story. Because in the time from the Garden of Eden until Noah, the world had become so sinful, so awful and vile and horrible, that the Bible says that it actually broke God's heart. The wickedness was so great, the KJV says it grieved him at his heart. But in the middle of that sin and evil, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah wasn't perfect, okay? But he wholeheartedly loved and obeyed God. Like Noah, we live in a world that is filled with sin and wickedness. Like Noah, we can find favor in the, in the eyes of the Lord by making sure that our priorities are right. That we are influencing others to Christ instead of being influenced by the world. But these people in Noah's time had become so corrupt that they, basically what they did was they chose sin and death over a relationship with God. That's the crux of it. So God was moved to action. He decided to destroy every living thing on the planet except what was in the ark. And that's a far cry from the cute little animals on a, and a rainbow on nursery decorations. Now, it took Noah about 120 years to build the ark. Seems like a long time. Uh, seems a lot like construction on 66. But I think we should cut him a little slack. I mean, let's be honest, nobody had ever built a boat before. And this one was no little boat. It was 450 feet long. A football field is only 300 feet long. It was 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. So it was, it was quite an accomplishment. 120 years may sound about right. Um, and during this entire building process, the Bible says that Noah preached the truth. Now, maybe he worked all day and preached all night, but he was basically one of the first preachers in the Bible. And Tony Evans, I love what he says about Noah. He said he probably had the same three-word message every night. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. And, you know, the, the problem is, despite that very compelling message, the people didn't believe him. I'm sure they started to reconsider when the rain started. But <clears throat> that was something that had never happened to that point in history either. <clears throat> Sorry. You know, it had never rained before. And then it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And all the living things on the earth died. <clears throat> Man, that didn't help either, did it? Got a tickle. So Noah and his family and all the animals were on that ark. Anybody know how long they spent on the ark? Not 40 days. It was 378 days. 
Can you imagine the aroma inside that ark with all of those animals? But finally, God told Noah that he could leave the ark. He said, you know, your family and all the animals, release them. Go forth and multiply. But I think what's interesting is the, what Noah did first when he left the ark. It wasn't taking a bath, which would have been my first guess, right? But what he did was in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. It said, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and there he sacrificed as burnt offerings the animals and birds that had been approved for that purpose. The first thing Noah and his family did when the flood ended was to build an altar to give thanks to God for delivering them. And, you know, when studying Scripture, there's, a, there's something called the first mention principle. And it basically says that the first time... Excuse me. <coughs> Man. Try that again. It says the first time that an important word or phrase is mentioned in the Scripture, it's important because it sets a precedent, it creates a pattern, or it establishes a biblical concept that you'll see throughout the rest of the Bible. So... That makes sense, right? Because we still put a lot of weight on firsts. Baby's first steps, baby's first words, your first job, your first car, your first date, right? There's a lot of value in the first. But the reason I mention this principle is because in Genesis 8, this is the first time the word altar is used in the Bible. Now, altars are referenced before that, like when the animal was sacrificed to provide clothing for Adam and Eve, and when Cain and Abel gave their offerings to the Lord. Altars are referenced, but this is the first time that an altar, the word altar, is used. You know, when you think about it, there's actually a lot of firsts when it comes to Noah. The first boat, the first rain, the first preacher, the first altar, and what I think is the first Thanksgiving. Because... That verse says he sacrificed birds. Turkeys are birds. Sounds like the first Thanksgiving dinner to me. All right? Now, this altar, this first mention of the altar, was there to, it was built to give thanks to God. And throughout this whole series, we've talked about some of the purposes for an altar. We looked at them as a place to remember God's mighty works in your life. We've looked at them as a place of sacrifice, a place where we don't withhold anything from God. But here, we see that the initial purpose was to give thanks to God for his incredible blessings. Noah was overflowing with thanks for the way God had saved him and his family. So he built an altar. And I think his altar ended up serving three purposes. Three purposes. First, I think Noah's altar honored God. Because the first thing he did was build it. He didn't wait until he'd done the things that he wanted to do. He started by building an altar. He made God the first priority. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you do, everything you produce. Honor God by making him first. Give him the first and best part of everything. That's, I mean, that's an expression of faith. Because it demonstrates how much we value God, and it also helps us recognize that God is the source of all we have. 
In 2 Timothy 2, verse 20 and 21, it says, this is Paul writing to Timothy, he says, In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So are you the good silverware, or are you the cheap plasticware? That's the question. Are you the cheap plasticware that's getting thrown out after every meal, or are you the good utensils? It's an interesting analogy, but I think, you know, the point Paul is making is live your life in a way that honors God. Honor him by making choices that will reflect the place that he has in our hearts. And you can do that through faith and obedience. We can do that when we align our will to his will. When we, when we work to keep ourselves pure, you know, when we are careful about what entertainment we put into our, our lives, you know, when we are careful what we put into our minds and what we do with our bodies, when we give and when we serve, that's when we bring God the greatest honor. But Noah's altar also glorified God. So what's the difference between honoring and glorifying? They kind of feel like synonyms, honor and glory, honor and glory. But there is a subtle difference. Honor refers to dignity and respect or esteem, while glory refers to an intense praise or worship. So honoring God is about showing the great respect or esteem that we have for him, but glorifying God is about giving credit where credit is due. In 1 Chronicles 16.29, the Bible says, Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offerings and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in all of his holy splendor. The glory that he deserves. I mean, he is the only one that deserves glory because of who he is. He is the great I am. You know, no matter when or where, he is there. The Alpha and the Omega, Creator and Redeemer. Give to the Lord the glory He deserves because He is the only one worthy of being glorified. In Psalm 104, verse 1, it says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. O Lord my God, how great you are! You are robed with honor and majesty. With all that I am, let me praise you. Let me glorify you. Noah, Noah just witnessed the awesome power and the authority of God. He had been saved from God's wrath, and all he knew what to do, all he could do, was to honor and glorify God. And I think the third thing that Noah's altar did is it thanked God. Noah had a lot to be thankful for. You know, of, of all the people that had been alive with him, including friends, relatives, loved ones, only he, his wife, his sons, and their wives were spared. So Noah gathered his family and he built an altar. He was basically saying, 
we're going to stop and we're going to worship God. We're going to give him thanks for sparing us and for bringing us through all of this horrible time. We're going to thank him for our salvation. And this altar is going to serve as a memorial for us. Every time we see this little pile of rocks, we're going to remember what God has done for us. In 1 Chronicles 16.8, it says, give, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Don't just thank him, but let the whole world know what he's done. That's a big part of how we can share the gospel. By telling everyone about the amazing things God has done in our lives. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I told you about how God worked in my life. How he saved me, how he saved my marriage how he reconciled and restored my relationship with my wife. How I got to that point is not my favorite part of the story to tell. But you have to know the bad to understand the greatness of the good. To truly grasp his mercy, his grace, his love, you have to hear about the bad so you can really understand the good. In 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, Thank God for his gift that is too wonderful for words. He took the words right out of my mouth. Because the only way I can respond to the amazing grace of God, it, I, I don't know how. I'm overwhelmed like Paul. I, I don't have the words that are capable of describing it. All, all the words I have feel insufficient. So I just say, thank you, God. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. You know, the, the Bible only says that Noah built an altar. But I think it's easy to see that it, it served multiple purposes. Noah wasn't perfect, right? He was a sinner. He took his family and all those animals on the ark, but he also took sin on that ark. He wasn't perfect. He was a man of faith. He obeyed and he trusted God. And in Hebrews chapter 11, in the, the hall of heroes of faith, it tells us that he was made right with God through faith. Noah built an altar because he honored God, he glorified God, and he thanked God. You know, and two weeks ago at the start of this series, I asked if you had an altar. Something to remind you about how God had done a mighty work in your life. Something to memorialize how God showed up. So I'll ask again today, do you have an altar? You know, it doesn't have to be a pile of rocks. But maybe it should be. Something that stands out. Something that makes people ask, what's up with this pile of rocks? Because then you can tell them about what God has done in your life. You can tell them that that pile of rocks reminds you every day to honor, glorify, and thank God. I love this verse from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31, 21, it says, With rock piles and signposts, mark the road well, my dear people. The road by which you left by will now lead you home. 
Jeremiah was saying this to comfort Israel as it was being led into captivity. It was a it was to provide them hope for eventual restoration. But I like that imagery because the rock piles can be a comfort to us too. They can remind us and provide us with the hope of restoration. No matter how far off the path that we may have gotten, the altar will always lead us home. You know, Noah, when he built his altar, he did it without an instruction book. But later in Deuteronomy, God provided the instructions. In Deuteronomy 27, verses 5 through 7, it says, Build an altar there made of stones that have no, had had no iron tools used on them, because any altar you build for the Lord your God must be made of uncut stones. There you are to offer the sacrifices that, you, that are to be burned. And there you are to sacrifice and eat your fellowship offerings and be grateful in the presence of the Lord your God. So the, the burnt offerings are totally consumed because that symbolizes a complete commitment to God. The fellowship offerings were eaten in this communal meal that expressed thanksgiving to God and joy in his presence. Thanksgiving happens at the altar. And remember that this Thursday as you grab your turkey and stuffing. The challenge every year, I think, is to remember that Thanksgiving isn't just for the last Thursday in November. It's for every day of the year. Noah's story is ultimately one of salvation. Sin leads to death and destruction for everyone. But by grace, those with faith in the Lord don't have to fear death. Escaping sin's death penalty requires faith for us and for Noah. They were saved by their faith, and we can be saved through our faith. By grace, through faith. Would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes? Are you ready? You know, while God did say he was never going to flood the world again, judgment's still coming. Sin leads to death, and the only way to escape it is faith in Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in him, when you believe he is who he said he was, you can escape, just like Noah did in the ark. If you're ready to make that complete commitment to the Lord, you can do it this morning. You don't have to burn a turkey to do it. You can do it where you sit just by saying this simple prayer. And just know it's not about the, the prayer. There's no, nothing special about the prayer. It's not about the words. It's about the heart. It's about believing them. You just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. But I believe that you sent Jesus to take my place on that cross. He died for my sins. 
He was buried, but he rose again. And because he did, I know I have a chance at eternal life. So right now, this morning, Lord, I pray that you will forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Let me be a part of your family. And I just thank you. Thank you for loving me. And Jesus, thank you for taking my place on that cross. If you prayed that this morning with me, can you just let me know and raise a hand? When you put it up, you can put them down. Thank you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for those hands that went up. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you that your plan has always included the redemption, our redemption that was accomplished through the works of your son. We thank you for loving us that much. And Lord, as we go through these coming weeks, please to help us remember that each day is a gift from you. Let us honor you with that day. Let us glorify you with that day. And let us thank you with that day. And we just pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, if you did pray that prayer with me today, just make sure you grab one of those bags on the, by the door on your way out. If you need prayer, the prayer team is down front. Please come on down uh, to pray with them. Um, let's actually, before I do that, I do want to pray for the Gainesville campus real quick. I did forget to do that. So let's pray one more time. Father God, we just thank you for your mighty gifts. Lord, we just thank you for the mighty works. We thank you that we have an opportunity to be a part of advancing your kingdom. So Lord, I just, I don't know how it went today in Gainesville, but I know that you had a plan and I thank you in advance for everything that's happening there. I thank you for the lives that will be saved at that campus. I thank you for the lives that continue to be saved at this campus. Lord, we know it's only because of your glory and your power that we're, we're capable of doing these things. And we just thank you for letting us be a part of it. We want to continue to honor and glorify you with those things, Lord. And we just pray again in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you accepted Christ, want to accept Christ, or just want to see what Park Valley Church is about, you can email us at info at parkvalleychurch.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.